0: Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint. Uh, I'm excited to present another installment in this series entitled Sent. We're looking at the, the incredible uh, missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul and how he was sent into the world to tell people the good news. We're also, uh, each week, featuring uh, stories of people from right here among us who are sent to all, place, all parts of the world, including our part of the world, right now. And so you'll hear about that today. I hope you leave here today greatly encouraged that the good news is still going out, and we get to be a part of sharing that good news with others. If that excites you, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Uh, you're in for a treat today. Let me have a word of prayer for us, and we'll jump right in. Lord God, I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. I thank you for your word that reminds us of, of the faithful saints who've gone before us. I pray, Father, that we'll be faithful in our day. Thank you for sending Paul. Send us. I pray, Lord, today you will uh, move me out of the way teach us some things we need to know about carrying the good news wherever you send us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Point A on your outline is simply this, that we are sent people. Point one under that, Paul was sent. He was. Here's how it happened. He was on the road to Damascus. He was going to go arrest a bunch of Christians. He, had, at the time, was a rabbi who believed that there, that the church and the early Christians were involved in a dangerous cult that was dishonoring to God. So he was going to go arrest him. And along the way, uh, God blinded him. And in a vision, he saw Jesus speaking to him and calling him into ministry. He went blind for three days. He fasted, didn't eat or drink anything for three days. And then a man named Ananias came to see him. And here's what the book of Acts tells us about, about that adventure or that part of the adventure. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, "Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him in a vision. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again." But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, "I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. He's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name." But the Lord said, "Go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles. And this is how Paul was sent. I mean, God chose him. He he is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and he found Saul, laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me to you. So you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He regained his sight, and then he got up and was baptized. That's how Paul was sent. He knew God had called him. That brings us to point two. Put your name there. Mine says John is sent. Uh, Billy is sent. Susan is sent. Or the southern version, Bubba is sent. Okay? Put your name in there. As a follower of Christ, God is sending us. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Well, how could one person or two people or 12 people or 20 people preach to everyone? They can't. It's too many questions, too many issues, too many things to discuss. But just like Paul was sent to the Gentiles and to uh, travel all around the Mediterranean in his day, day, he might have been sent halfway around the world at the time. Well, you might be sent halfway around your block. Or I might be sent to a group of people that I work with. Or maybe you're the team mom for a baseball team. And God is sending you there to be a witness right there. Because there are some families in there and you know they're hurting. They got issues and you're going, Lord, there are problems there. What do I do? God's sending you there. We're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You you heard that there, that Saul was God's chosen instrument. God told Ananias that. Do you know that John Schmidt is God's chosen instrument for certain things he has planned for me? And God has certain things planned for you. He does. God has things planned for us. Maybe not to be a missionary to the whole world, but maybe to be someone who helps a friend, a fellow student. A relative. That's what this whole series about sent is for us to open up our eyes and go, Well, God, could you send me? I'm telling you, I'm certain he is. Because he wants the good news to be spread to everyone, and we get to be his hands and his feet to do it. Well, that brings us to point two. As we go on on this, we're getting into Acts 17, where Paul arrived in Athens and we find that sent people have a burden for lost people. A burden. What I mean by this, your heart is deeply troubled. This is how you know if you're sent somewhere to a certain group, man, it just bothers you. I'm I'm worried about my brother. Oh, I'm just so concerned for my next door neighbor. Oh, I'm concerned for that family down the street. Mm, we got to pray for them. Well, this is a burden that God puts on our hearts. This is what's happening. You'll see it in Paul here in Acts 17. We'll pick it up in verse 16. He's arrived in the city of Athens. We've been you um, know, we had a map the last couple of weeks. Most of you, the Athens of that day is where the Athens of today is in Greece. And so um, when Paul arrived there, he arrived there by himself. He was waiting for some friends to come and join him. And while he was waiting, this is Acts 17, 16, while he was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled. And please circle those two words, deeply troubled. He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. I mean, Athens was filled with temples to all sorts of Greek gods and goddesses, altars everywhere, idols everywhere. And it just bothered Paul because he had met Jesus. He knew Jesus is real. He understands that Jesus really did rise from the dead. He knew that a relationship with Jesus allowed people to talk directly to God. They didn't have to play with these dumb little idols and build all these massive statues and buildings that cost a fortune, waste all their money on things that were worthless. And so he's deeply troubled by all this, these idols that he saw everywhere in the city. So he went to the synagogue, because remember, he was a Jewish rabbi, so he went to the Jewish community first to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And then he spoke daily in the public square with all who happened to be there. This troubled him so much, he would go to the synagogue whenever there was a group meeting there, and then he'd just go out to the market. You had the idea that if people were out having lunch somewhere, he'd sit down, and go, hey, would you mind if I joined you? I, I want to tell you the most exciting news. You can know God now. God has revealed himself. His son has appeared. And we know he's real because when he was crucified, and he rose again from the dead, and he would go on sharing these things everywhere he went because he was so deeply burdened for the people of Athens. I mean, what if you and I, when we have a burden for a relative or a friend, we're praying about this and saying, hey God, you put this burden on my heart, what do I do? And that, that's the life application here. We need to turn troubled feelings into positive actions. A positive action for a troubled feeling is exactly what we're talking about what Paul did. He went and he met with people at the synagogues, and and then he met with them in the marketplace, and he goes, I just i got to tell you something. This is great. We'll talk about how he did that in just a minute. But to help you understand how important it is to have a burden, I want you to understand that God is still placing burdens on people's hearts all the time, sometimes for a relative or a friend, sometimes for a whole people group. And Melanie Carlson grew up here in Prattville, went to Prattville High School, and um, she has a burden that God placed in her heart. I want you to hear what she had to say about that.
1: I graduated from Prattville High School and then I went to Auburn University and I was studying fine art there. And um, I had gone to a conference where someone from the Middle East was speaking and he was talking about um, the need for missionaries to go to these unreached people groups in the 1040 window. Um, And so I felt like God was calling me at that point to go and um, I was really scared because I had never thought about doing missions before in my life. And so I was like, I'm not gonna do that. And I started studying art instead. And um, I kept meeting people who were interested in missions and God kept bringing it up in my mind when I was reading the Bible. Like this is his heart for the nations is for people to be sent out to go. Um, We should be doing something with the gospel. And so I eventually switched to a different university and majored in um, intercultural studies and to do missions, that was the goal. And um, when I got connected with my organization, I was learning more and studying the Bible more and seeing how God has used, even from the Old Testament to the New, how he's been sending people, using Israel as a place to draw people to it um, as a light. And in the New Testament, he commissions us to go out and. So from there, I was like, okay, I should be going to do this. And so I went to work over in uh, Jordan one summer, and I was teaching English at a Muslim school. And so um, I really fell in love with the Arab people. And I also had my country that my family's from, and I was really drawn to both. And so I wasn't really sure how God would use that. And so my organization actually sent me an email not too long ago And they said, hey, we're looking for people to come work with Arab speakers in this country you want to serve in. Um, And so they're like, do you know anybody who would want to come to the field long term and serve with these refugees coming in? Um, Because it's such a big crisis going on right now with refugees fleeing from Syria and Iraq. Um, so it seemed like God was kind of orchestrating that in my life, and he kind of merged both of those desires that I had in my own heart to serve over there. Right now in the country I'll be serving in, there's a population of 800 million people, and the Christian population in this country is only 0.04%. So you can see there's a huge gap between um, Muslims and their witness to the gospel for Christ there, Um, so there's a huge need. I've had a lot of people ask me um, about safety and, um, you know, why would I choose to go somewhere where it's unsafe when I can stay here and get married and have a nice house and car um, and live comfortably. And when I read the Bible, I don't really see that as what God has called us to. I see Jesus as the suffering servant, and he comes to serve us. And so if we're to call ourselves Christians, we should be following Christ's
0: example and going to serve others. Yeah, you can applaud that. If you wonder what kind of missionaries we support here, Melanie is that kind of missionary. She's somebody who's sent. Her mom was Muslim. She has a burden for people to know Christ in other parts of the world. She's willing to go. She believes God's sending her. And when you see that, you go, well, Yeah but that's not me. Okay, but where's God sending you? Where's he sending me? To the place where our heart beats like, I, I want to make sure these people know Jesus. I want to make sure they know how much God loves them. I want to make sure they know their sins can be forgiven no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. Oh, somebody needs to tell them, Lord. If you've experienced that for a relative, a loved one, a neighbor, a coworker, then you understand what Paul was talking about. This is the next reference in your outline, 2 Corinthians 5. If we're out of our minds, it's for the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us. Can we say those few words together, please? For Christ's love compels us. That's how you know where you're sent, where your heart breaks for people. You want to pray for them. You want God to say, you want God to speak through? You want God to help you? How do I communicate, Lord, how much you love them? How, what can I do? This is Paul walking around Athens. Oh, these people are all lost, and they're being misled by all these ridiculous temples. Oh, somebody's got to tell them. That's a burden. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. What great news. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. Jesus paid the penalty for all our sins in full on the cross. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. And if you'd circle the word ambassadors, that's what the word apostle means. Okay? That's it. The sent ones. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. When you and I introduce a friend to Christ, God's making his appeal through me. Through you. And this is his plan. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of changing the eternal destiny of somebody's soul. I mean, for our kids, for our friends. I mean, this is amazing. And we're just listening to how Paul embraced this. And there's a bunch of lessons that we can learn from Paul as the story unfolds here, what happened next in Athens. And that brings us to point C, sent people are ready to share And this is what I want to talk about. If God places a burden on our hearts for someone and we feel sent to them, well, what are we going to say when we get the chance? What are we going to say? Well, Paul gives us a good template of some things to follow here. Paul also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. This is Acts 17, 18. And when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, you can underline that. That's a key part of this. We always got to tell people about Jesus and his resurrection. They said, What's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, well, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. So they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You're saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. Should it be explained that the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas? I mean, when you talk about Athens, I mean, you got to think about Socrates and Aristotle and Plato. And, and for hundreds of years, people had been debating the deepest philosophies right there in Athens. And there was a, an outcropping of rock where they did that. Uh, a few years ago, when Debbie and I were on a sabbatical, we had a chance to go to Athens. And we actually went to Mars Hill, which is where this council met. And so we have a picture here. This is a parking lot. You can walk up the steps. This outcropping of rock, there would be about 30 members of this council and they would meet on top of this rock. It was known as the Areopolis or the Hill of Ares or, you know, that's the Greek God's name and Roman version of that same God is Mars. So it'd be Mars Hill. And this is where they would debate the latest ideas. Another angle so you can and So if Paul was doing this, they would have been sitting there on these different places talking, and right behind him is the Acropolis. Up on top of that is the Parthenon, uh, and there are other temples to various gods up there. So when Paul is talking about all the idols and temples in the city, this is what he's talking about. It was right behind him as he was talking. Okay, so there's no mistake about that this is where he was. And by the way, When you walk in from that parking lot, there's a big plaque, and on the plaque, it quotes Acts 17, these same verses that I'm about to read to you. Paul's speech is quoted there. Now, I just want you to know all this, and I want to show you pictures of this. And some of you have even told me, they go, man, John, you really keep coming back that these are historical things, and this is real. And they go, and I I had a phone call from somebody who listens to some of my radio spots this week. They said, does it really matter that much? that we believe the Bible, that this is all historical and that it's all real? And I go, oh, yeah. Because if this part isn't historical, then maybe the part about Jesus rising from the dead isn't historical. I mean, it's the same book, same Bible. This is historical. really happened. Paul was really there. This is a real place. This isn't made up. And when you and I are sent to people... People are going to challenge us on this. Is that really true? It's really true. You can trust it. The Bible's our guide, and we can trust it in all matters of faith and practice. If that's good news to you, would you say amen? Amen. Please understand how important this is if we're going to make sure we are sharing God's word. Now, it's important also that you know that the Epicureans, that they saw, oh, there's one more picture here. Let me show you this too. When um, Paul was sharing in the marketplace, this is, I showed you the, the temple before, I mean the Acropolis with the Parthenon up on top of it. That would be to the right of where we're standing now. If you spun around, you could look downhill. This is where the marketplace was. They have excavated all the ruins. That would have been the marketplace in the time of Paul. There would have been booths set up. It would have been like a um, farmer's market type of setup would be today. People selling things, and Paul would have gone from booth to booth and shared with people right there. When he's sharing with people in the marketplace, that would have been it. He shared with so many people. They said, well, you need to go up there on the hill and talk to the ruling council. And so he did. I mean, he was standing in front of, this would have been the, um, the Harvard or the Oxford of the day. I mean, these would have been the most learned men. This would have been a university town. And these great philosophers would have been there. And there were two main camps. That's the note here. The Epicureans sought pleasure and happiness as the primary goal of life. The Stoics valued logic and reason above pleasure and sought to live disciplined lives in harmony with nature. And so they would debate back and forth about the best way to approach certain things. And here now came Paul, and he's talking about somebody literally rising from the dead. They'd never heard anything like this before. And so they invited him to come stand in front of him. In the margin, you can write Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 18 over there. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of salvation to all who believe. He saw this as an opportunity and he was ready. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows: Men of Athens, I notice that you're very religious in every way, and in, in every way, for as I was walking along to your I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it: to an unknown God. And now this God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he's Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man made temples like the one behind me, the Parthenon where Athena's statue was standing. He's the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he's Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man made temples. Human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. Some of your own poets have said, we're his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands us He commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he's appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him him from the dead. Now when they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. And that ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So Paul had this amazing exchange in front of the council, and he talked to them in, uh, about his faith in God in a way that they could understand. And that brings us to four helpful faith-sharing tips that were modeled by the Apostle Paul there. And if you and I are going to be ready to share our faith, then here are four things we need to be ready to do. Uh, the first one is that you and I need to just be ready. I mean, when Paul was sharing there in the marketplace, he was grabbing anybody he could, he didn't know he was going to be invited to the top of the hill, to He didn't know he'd be in front of the council, but he was ready when his chance came. Peter said the same thing. He said, look, if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. So how does that apply to you and me? Well, here are a couple of ways. First of all, I need to be ready to explain the gospel message and why it's good news. Can you do that? Are you ready for that? It wasn't that long ago, somebody came to see me in my office and they had a real burden for somebody in their family. And they said, somebody needs to talk to him about Jesus. And I go, Well, good. I mean, you're a member of the family. You seem ready for the task. You're a strong young pup. You know, you can do this. And they said, No, 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 you need to come with me. I can't do it. I wouldn't know what to say. And I go, Well, let's let me ask you a couple of questions. And I've got a whiteboard in my office. And so we sat down and we started talking. I said, Well, why do you want this person to know Jesus? Why do you want this family member to know Jesus? And I go, well, because Jesus, he forgives all our sins and cleanses them all away. It's amazing. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all our sins. He forgave all my sins. I don't have any guilt anymore. And so I'm just taking notes on all this. And I go, well, has that made a difference in your life? And they go, are you kidding? Man, it's just complete freedom. And it's not only that, but he gives us the Holy Spirit who empowers us. And I'm like a whole new person. He's changed me from the inside out. And I'm taking notes on all this. And I go, so you really want this person here? And he goes, yeah, I, and you've got to come with me because I wouldn't know what to say. And I go, well, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> Why don't you tell him that when Jesus died on the cross, all his sins are forgiven and forgotten. He doesn't have to worry about God's judgment anymore. Why don't you tell him that when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit fills you and empowers you, makes you a brand new person, and gives you victory over things you never thought you'd have victory over. And he goes... Well, yeah, I guess I could say that. And I go, you are going to say that, and we're going to pray that God will give you the opportunity. Man. Never thought about himself being an apostle before. You're an apostle. I'm an apostle. You're an apostle. Together, we get to tell the whole world. What's your part? What's my part? Well, Who's God giving you a burden for? Mm. And when that opportunity comes, will I be ready? And Paul was ready. He wasn't intimidated. He was standing in front of all the eggheads of the ancient world. He was ready. He told them about the resurrection of the dead, how Jesus had died on the cross. And some of them laughed and sneered. He was going to tell them anyway, because some of them believed. i got to be ready to explain the gospel message and why it's good news. If you'll take a minute to write those thoughts out sometime. Man, if you ever want to come talk to any of us about this, oh, we'd love to talk with you and help you figure that out. I must be ready to share how and why I became a Christian and what difference a relationship with Jesus has made in my life. Paul could tell them all about the road to Damascus experience and the interaction with Ananias, and you can share your story. I must be ready to pray with someone Who wants to receive Christ? Ananias was ready to go. I mean, what if, as you're talking about this, the person goes, okay, I want to do this right now. Are you ready to pray? Let's pray. I must be ready to help someone take first steps as a Christian. What do I do now? Well, why don't you come to worship with me? Why don't you come to a connect group with me, a small group, meet some Christian friends? Let's get you a Bible, and I'll teach you how to read it. I'll teach you how to pray. And then I must pray for awareness of the needs of others and opportunities to help them, this is how we gain a heart and a burden for people in the first place. We start serving. And then we'll know what to say and we'll know where to start. That brings us to point two. We need to find common ground. Paul started with common ground. I mean, as he walked around Athens, he was deeply burdened by all the temples and altars. There's a whole platform, the biggest hill in the city, just covered with multi-millions of dollars worth of temples and idols over there. And there's this altar to an unknown God. They'd want to make sure in case they missed one, they had so many gods. Well, in case we missed one, we don't want to offend them. And Paul said, well, let me tell you who that is. He started where they had something in common. He even co- quoted some of their own poets. By the way, he was quoting Epimenides is the guy's name. He was from 600 BC. He was a poet from the island of Crete. I mean, that should give you confidence in our scriptures too when Paul says he's quoting one of the Greek poets, we even know who he's quoting. We actually have copies of that. This is all true. But if you and Peter and Paul both agreed on this, 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said, look, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. Well, what would that look like in our life? Well, maybe some of you know is just really frustrated that things in life aren't going the way they want, and they they don't have any hope or any meaning in life, but you know, they like rock and roll. So you could go, well, look, one of your own poets has said, I can't get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try, but I can't get no satisfaction. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, 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 that's what I say. (laughs) Mick Jagger, obviously. So we could quote one of our poets. I mean, you can, you can quote things like this. I mean, why are the stones even singing about that? Because that's a common experience in life. Well, how would you find satisfaction? To Christ. Let me tell you I found satisfaction. To a personal relationship with Jesus. And let me tell you how it happened. Point three, we need to show respect. Paul did. He walked up on Mars Hill and didn't go, you guys are a bunch of idiots. That's not what he said. He said, men of Athens, I see that you're very religious. You're so religious, you want to make sure you don't offend a God you might have missed. Let me tell you that about the God that you have missed, you can't see the forest for the trees because you're so concerned about these things. But the truth is, God doesn't live in temples made by hands. He's the one who made the whole universe. You don't need to worry about serving God by building him temples. He doesn't have a need for a shelter. In fact, he's the one who provides food and shelter for us. You got it all backwards. You can know him. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about Jesus. Peter, do this in gentleness, gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. I mean, Paul modeled all these things. And finally, point four, leave the results to God. Leave the results to God. Paul did his part. And what's interesting here is there were some that mocked and laughed. Some said, hey, we want to hear more. But there was Damaris and Dionysius. They came to Christ on the spot. Their hearts were ready. When somebody told them about the good news, they were going, oh, this is what I've been looking for. Paul just went wherever God sent him. Sometimes there was a big harvest, and sometimes it was small. And sometimes people needed to hear more. I love that. I love it that when people have a chance to uh, be introduced to Christ, we we meet here. It's one of the great things about meeting every week. Sometimes people hear some things, they go, man, you said some stuff, and um, there was a fellow at the earlier service this morning, he listened to some radio spots that I do, and he said, well, I had to come. I wanted to see what you're talking about because I hear you on the radio, and I, I just really enjoyed being here. I want to I come back. I mean, it might happen to you that way. You talk to a friend, and you invite him to come to a connect group, and they go, can I come back? I, I like your friends. I want to talk with them some more. Or can we meet for coffee? I got some more questions. Yeah. Of course. We're raising our kids and introducing them to the faith. We get to tell them Bible stories and get to pray with them and get to answer questions as they grow up. And we keep going. But let's open our eyes. I mean, God has sent you and me into places that are amazing. And we need to be ready. So I'm going to have a word of prayer for us that God's going to help us get our thoughts organized. We'll be ready with a message when God opens the door. We're going to be ready to share what a difference God's made in our life. We'll be ready to pray with someone. We're going to be ready to help them take first steps. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray that you will just fill us with courage and boldness, that today this message has encouraged us that Just as certainly as you sent the Apostle Paul, you have sent the Apostle Jenny and the Apostle David and the Apostle John. You have apostles all over the place, sent people right now, right here in our midst. Father, I pray that we will not be afraid to answer that call. We won't be afraid to put our burdens into action. thank you so much for Melanie and her burden for the people in those camps who desperately need to hear about Jesus please bless her. But bless us too, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools. Lord, give us the words to say. Help us organize our thoughts. And Lord, when the opportunity comes, give us boldness and courage. We'll leave the results to you. But it's so encouraging to know that Dionysius and Damaris responded, who knows, tomorrow might be a day when one of our good friends, our relative, accepts Christ. We've been praying about him for years. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for his obedience to go. Help us go where you sent us. Open our eyes, Lord, to things we've never seen before. And finally, Father, I want to pray if there is a Damaris or a Dionysius here this morning who has realized that they need a relationship with you, that they will come and talk to us this morning, today, right now, and surrender their lives to you. Father, we pray these things together in the name of Jesus, the one who rose from the dead, the one who's coming back soon to take us home. In the wonderful name of Christ, together we say, amen.